All right. Where does this team stand heading into Ohio State? You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. No more grades. It's a matter of where the team stands at each position, and I think that's better. You get a, a, a good, solid review as opposed to me trying to stamp a letter when these groups vary week to week to week. So what is the state of the offense? We'll go offense, defense, special teams, and include coaching in this one. I don't think coaching gets enough of a review. And then James Franklin gave his State of the Union address yesterday, talked about the state of the team. There was one quote in particular that I think for the past four years has definitely stuck out when he's asked this one question. We're going to start on offense, and we're going to begin with, well, none other than the quarterback position. Sean Clifford, Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week, especially after enduring the booze from your home crowd in a whiteout game. That's definitely something. I I got to thinking, doing a little bit of research for this episode, Sean Clifford really has not had a bad game all season. Sure, and that's within reason, right? Sure, has he been a little underwhelming here and there? Does he throw four touchdowns every single week? No, but he's quarterbacked this team to a 6-1 record. They're 13th overall in the country in both the AP Top 25 and the coaches poll. Even against Michigan, I don't think that was a bad game. It wasn't his fault, let me just say that. But he led Penn State to a comeback win on the road to begin the season against a Purdue team that very well may win the Big Ten West. He's taken some tough hits, played through them all. I would say Northwestern was probably the worst game that he's had all season, but everybody had a bad game in that one. It was raining, it was wet, it was slippery, the running backs were fumbling, but I I would say that that was probably his worst performance if I had to rank all of them. Because even against Michigan, he did everything that he could within reason. So to say that he had a bad performance once this year or has done something to cost the team a victory is unfair to say. It's just not right. Drew Aller continuing to get valuable experience, which will help him if he needs to go in in an emergency case this season and when he's ready to start next year. This is something they never really got the chance to do with Taquan Roberson or any backup quarterback enough. I think, frankly, Taquan Roberson wasn't a guy they wanted to get in the game. You know, you have to earn those reps. You don't just throw somebody on the field to say, well, we want to get you the experience, so have at it. Who cares what the consequences are? You have to earn your time on the field. And I think that Drew Aller has earned the time. They are not putting him out there to say, okay, we need you ready for next season. There's that idea in mind, but Drew Aller has also earned that time in practice where they say, okay, we want to get you on the field so we can work with what you're doing from practice. Christian Bayer, Bo Prabula, these are the right guys to have on the depth chart. Like the quarterback room is so deep and that's refreshing to have since you had Trace McSorley and Tommy Stevens. 
Veyer, I expect him to hop in the transfer portal, but I wouldn't if, if Drew Aller was not ready to be the number two quarterback this season or wasn't as talented as he was or just wasn't in the fold. Christian Veyer as the number two is not a bad thing given his experience, what he showed against Rutgers last year, his poise. He will be good with another program somewhere else. And that has to do with the fact that he's on the same timeline as Drew. You don't want to stick around and be a backup for another two years, do you? He sees himself as a starter. To the running back room. Nicholas Singleton, we see it again, speed kills. It definitely does for Singleton. Uh, But he needs to find a way to break tackles, not just avoid defenders. It does not work at this level, and he knows this. I imagine that he's working on it. He's trying some other things, but there's a learning curve to it. When your speed has burned everyone for the past four years in high school, you get a little bit of a reality check since these guys are on your level. But Singleton, as an 18-year-old freshman, is still able to burn by everyone, just not all the time. Him and Allen are getting the same amount of reps. I like both of them for different reasons. I've stated that on multiple episodes. You go back through any of them. And I like Singleton for the home run ability, for the speed. I like Allen because he's got great vision and he's reliable in between the tackles. Kevon Lee, I think we need a milk carton because where is Lee? I assumed he was injured and I think that is the case. I didn't think that he was suspended for any reason. I mean, James Franklin did say it had nothing to do with class. James Franklin's not liable to say who's injured and who's not. Uh, He will tell us though if it is a season-ending injury for somebody, but he was dressed for the game. He did warm-ups. He didn't play against Minnesota. You need him in this backfield. The state of the backfield gets a lot worse if he chooses to step away from the team or misses an extended period of time with an injury. I'm not assuming that he's going to step away from the team, but there were the rumors he missed practice and you just can't afford that to happen at this point. At any point in time, Lee could be getting a significant workload again. I don't want to wish this or even speak it into existence, but Singleton and Allen are running backs. They're going to take a a bad hit at some point in time. I'm glad that they've been healthy to this point. Lee has the experience, he knows the offense, and he provides you a talent edge that just right now Tank Smith doesn't give you as much of an advantage if he has to come in for an extra workload. I like Kevon Lee just being in the rotation in some sort of capacity, but at least for the past few games, he has not been made available. Wide receivers... The best game by far all season, and yes, that is even with respect to Purdue. I would say those two games are about right up there for the receiving core. They were winning their routes on Saturday against Minnesota. They were winning more 50-50 plays, not all of them, but more of them. I think uh, at least more than 75%. And Tinsley and Washington looked more like that co-number wide receiver duo that I was expecting. So hopefully that can translate to Ohio State, but Ohio State has a really good secondary, whereas Minnesota does does not. At least they don't have as good of a secondary as Ohio State. Nevertheless, see if you can carry that momentum into the Buckeyes. Tight ends, finally, hallelujah. Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren must be finally healthy, or at least fully healthy anyway, because they were used in the passing game and not just as dummies, decoys, whatever, blockers used in the passing game, which is about time because Theo Johnson was not brought in to block. Tyler Warren was not recruited 
to come run plays uh, on the ground. They were meant to be used in the passing attack, both. That's what a tight end does. They are an additional blocker. They can also leak out as a receiver. And that was the case, but they used him in active roles. I mean, Theo Johnson led the team in receiving five catches, 75 yards. That was better than Parker Washington. Both of them each had a touchdown. They were used in big plays, not just as security blankets. I like that. I want to see more of it. And I think they showed that against Minnesota on purpose for Ohio State to have it on film. And they're like, oh man, now we got a game plan for this. It's not just Brenton Strange. All three of them can hurt us. Exactly. And all three of them have great hands. They all can catch. There was not a point in time where I saw Theo Johnson uh, misplay a ball or juggle it or anything. Soft basket catches. And I want to see more of that. Offensive line, uh, the word I got because I was interested to see uh, the right guard position. Sal Wormley had started the game but came out, and I thought that was unusual. Bryce Effner was playing a lot at right guard against Minnesota, so I thought that Sal Wormley was benched. That's not the case. They're just trying to rotate Effner in. To me, while it's not considered necessarily a benching per se, it's still hard to argue against that Salim Wormley, who was supposed to be the anchor at right guard last year, had a season-ending injury, and they expected him to be back and be the solidified starter. So why is he losing reps to anybody if he's that much of an anchor? But I really liked that Olu-Norzad-Juice-Efner-Wallace combo from left to right. They were giving Sean Clifford time. They were creating a pocket for him. I've really, honestly, it's been a while since I've seen Sean Clifford stand upright in that pocket for as long as he had. Is Minnesota's defensive line just not that good? Maybe. They don't have that many sacks, so the pass rush, I don't think, is one of the best they're going to see. However, there was a little bit of chemistry. There was a little bit of oomph in that group when they were executing some run plays. They were keen on the double teams. This offensive line unit under James Franklin also has the most depth because the fact that you can rotate Efner in at different spots and say, okay, you know, the offensive line isn't missing a beat. Uh, Caden Wallace's injury, how's that going to affect the team? Is he going to be ready to go against Ohio State or is it going to be Wormley at guard and Efner at right tackle? Is Landon Tangwell's starting spot safe because he's missed time with injury and I thought Hunter Norzad played exceptionally well against Minnesota. He has looked good at left guard, and I thought he was brought in to be a tackle to push Caden Wallace. They moved him to guard, and he's been an anchor there. And Scruggs, talk about anchors, might be one of the best centers in the Big Ten. You watch the tape back and select plays. He is just blowing defenders off the line of scrimmage. He is able to handle one-on-one situations, I like when he runs the double team, whether it was Efner or Wormley, and he's able to peel off and get the linebacker. Like, the dude's just smart, okay? He knows where he's supposed to be. He knows where to turn the player out. He doesn't get beat to his spot. He is fast. He is physical, and he's cerebral. That is the kind of guy that I'd like him to stick around for another season, but he might want to use this to boost his draft stock, and I wouldn't blame him. So that's the offense in a nutshell. I think... The entire group is in good standing heading into Ohio State. Uh, It's all coming together. There aren't really too many key injuries. You want Keandre Lambert-Smith back, okay? You want Caden Wallace healthy. You would like all the number ones to be out there. But in terms of 
missing a crucial star or someone's not totally 100%, that's not going on right now. And and knock on wood, of course, I don't, I don't want to jinx it, but in terms of health, Penn State's uh, in a good spot. When we come back here on Locked On Nittany Lions, the defense under the microscope, how are they doing, plus the special teams and the coaches. Yes, the coaches. I feel like I've given them a pass in my grades and reviews. Not this time. It's Locked On Nittany Lions. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs, then add your job and the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen today. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Zach Seiko. The state of the defense, beginning up front with the defensive line, the big boys. Uh, Hakeem Beeman, flash speed, but uh, there were some plays where if he wasn't able to use that agility, he was getting pushed out of the play. Uh, P.J. Mustafer has been solid all season. I think that tandem will be good to go. And you get guys like Kaziah Izzard back from injury suspension. I assume it's an injury, but we never know from James Franklin. Uh, the interior defensive line is really intact. You have complementary pieces like a Zane Durant, who's a true freshman. I, I really like the depth at defensive line. The defensive ends, they were getting sealed on the edge on some outside runs. Uh, there was limited contain. Kaliak Manis breaking out the legs really messed with them, and they had a hard time when they should have had a lot more sacks. Now, here's the key for Ohio State. C.J. Stroud, the number one quarterback for Ohio State in the NFL draft, he's more of a pure passer. Can he run? Absolutely. Does he run? No. So Penn State won't have to worry about a quarterback spy, maybe in select cases, but this guy has 13 carries for negative nine yards. Yeah, through six, seven games here, he's not running all that much. But it is something to keep an eye on. Uh, J.J. McCarthy was able to pick up first downs. Maybe C.J. Stroud uses it to his advantage, but I, I honestly don't expect him to. So the defensive end something that they struggled with. It won't really be on display against Ohio State. No sacks again for the defensive line. You had the half sack between Daquan Hardy and Abdul Carter. Um, You would still like to, as the defensive line, since that is their job, you want to see them get sacks. I'm waiting for that next game where they have four or five sacks combined as a unit. Keep an eye on Denai Dennis Sutton, right? He's just fun to watch. 
at that defensive end spot. And he saw more time because we'll get to Chop Robinson in just a second. But keep an eye on Deny Dennis Sutton in these home games. And did a little bit against Michigan, but got made fun of for it on the internet. He'll jump up and down and just have good vibes out there. The energy on a false start or a miscue by an opponent's offense, it's infectious. And I hope that's going throughout the entire defense. I think it is anyway. They they like him. He's going to be very special as he continues to get better. No Chop Robinson in against Minnesota. Hopefully it was out of caution. I, I Again, I imagine it was an injury that he sustained either against Michigan or in practice because they will need him against Ohio State. Those tackles are some of the best in the Big Ten, some of the best in the country. This team still struggles to stop the run, which is concerning to me because Penn State sold out for the run because they knew it was coming. Callie McManus has no experience in college so far. Mo Ibrahim is as good as advertised. The offensive line is respectable for Minnesota, and Minnesota was still able to get big chunk plays. I think a lot of that has to do with Ibrahim. His vision, his speed, his quickness allowed him to do that patience. It was very patient. He didn't just, every time something opened up, he didn't just run right into it. He waited his time, and he got through. That that needs to be cleaned up. It starts with the defensive line. Either fill your gap better because Ohio State is going to take advantage of that with what they have on the offensive line and what they have at running back, and they can spread you out with the wide receivers. You can't sell out for just one thing. The linebackers, best group of the day, if I'm being honest. I, if you combine the pass catchers, the tight ends, and the wide receivers together, uh, they might have been the best position group from Minnesota. But I think the linebackers because of the what they did. This was the notable change and something that people have been calling for. Now, I didn't know how it was going to happen, and I probably should have had a better read on this, but I will admit, I didn't know how Penn State would try to factor getting Abdul Carter onto the field, given that he is the backup to Curtis Jacobs. So what did Penn State do? What did Manny Diaz do? What did James Franklin decide to do? They moved Curtis Jacobs back to the on-ball linebacker where he was a year ago. When it was Brandon Smith and it was Ellis Brooks and Curtis Jacobs. Curtis Jacobs played that position last year the entire time, so he knows it well. Oh my goodness, of course the coaching staff knows more than me. What a surprise. They moved him back to that position. They benched Jonathan Sutherland. He was still on the field, he just had fewer snaps. And they made Abdul Carter the starting off-ball linebacker. And what did it produce? Well, Carter and Jacobs combined for 22 tackles. Carter had a half sack. He was flying all over the field, saw more reps. When they went nickel or when they went dime, when they went 4-2-5 or the 3-2-6, it was Abdul Carter and it was Curtis Jacobs on the field. So this defense really has done a 180 with the linebackers. Tyler Elson and Kobe King are still at the mic, the middle linebacker, but this must be the way moving forward. I think it will be because you've seen the results. Curtis Jacobs, that, that just shows his flexibility, how versatile he is, that he can continue to play between both spots, and then you can have your best guys on the field because Jacobs is good at that linebacker spot, but he is taking one for the team by moving positions. Defensive backs... The secondary is sorting itself out a little more. You're starting to see a lot more Jalen Reed on the field at safety, uh, Keaton Ellis, 
We saw Zaki Wheatley a lot early in the season, but that hierarchy on the safety depth chart, and that's I think that's just kind of any given week. All of those guys are capable. Kalen King and Joey Porter Jr. are still locked down. They have their toughest test of the year. I think they had it fairly easy against Minnesota because that wide receiver room is just very weak for the Golden Gophers. On special teams, Jake Panager is handling more kickoffs. That's sorting itself out because we had Sanders Sahadak, we had Gabe Wosu. Pinnaker wasn't even taking kickoffs. Now he is, and I like that. He's getting the ball at least to the end zone. Pinnaker is also making all of his kicks, which is super helpful to the cause. Barney Amore is reliable as always. Didn't have his best game because that's compared to all the other incredible performances he's put together thus far. Dom DeLuca had that block punt. Parker Washington muffed a punt, but I'm not really all that concerned about it. And the kick return is still a non-factor. I don't think that it will be. You just have a lack of experience back there when you put Katron Allen or Nicholas Singleton there. And Daquan Hardy, we haven't really seen him take a kick out. Maybe consider putting the wide receiver back there. Just a thought. I know that you want your running backs in on kickoff and you want your wide receivers on punt return, but maybe experiment with another wide receiver or another position group to see if they can return kicks. I mean, Micah Parsons could have taken kicks and punt returns. I always thought that was funny. Uh, Micah Parsons was such a such a character with James Franklin and joking about it, playing it running back or playing return man. He could do it. He could. He could do it in the NFL, if I'm being honest. The state of the coaching, as I mentioned, James Franklin, he helped the team bounce back. I mean, James Franklin, for the criticism that he endures as head coach, he took the booze like Sean Clifford. In the years past, everybody said, uh, you know, Penn State, they they don't deal with a, a midseason loss properly. They don't know how to fix these problems. And testament to James Franklin, he got this group to bounce back. I mean, it was a punch in the face. Normally, I, I will say this about football. This is at least the common consistency. In football, or any sport really, when you get beat down the week before, you're motivated, you're angry, you go and try to play a bounce back game. It's those close ones that are really tough to handle. I'm not saying every time you lose big the previous week you come out and turn and put in a win, but it is more often than not more likely that if you lose big as opposed to losing close, you are more likely to have a bounce back performance And we've seen that close loss linger with Penn State. This was a slap in the face. They responded accordingly. For Mike Yersich, the offensive play calling looked better. And I think that helps when all of your guys are healthy and everybody's doing their job, right? The offense is in sync. The offensive line holds its protection. Receivers are getting open. Sean Clifford has time to actually read the defense and go through his progressions. And look what happens. Manny Diaz, I think he had an easy game plan because all you had to do was sell out for the run. You didn't really have to factor in and respect Kaliak Manis and his passing ability. I think he's a solid quarterback. I think he'll be good for Minnesota for the next couple of years, but he's by no means a threat to any opponent this season. And now you're going to have to develop some new defensive looks for Ohio State. I really don't think you're going to get by running the man blitz defense. You're going to have to factor in some more zone and run something that I think Penn State, the way that Penn State's played Ohio State over the years, they are going to have wrinkles both on offense and defense that are not going to be seen by any other team this season except the Buckeyes of Ohio State. And Manny Diaz's side of it 
will be key. When we come back here on Locked On Nittany Lions, we are going to go through James Franklin's press conference yesterday, his weekly address to the media. Just one question that always stands out, and now it's been asked every single year since he made this one particular comment back in 2018. It's Locked On Nittany Lions. Today's episode is brought to you by Sweatblock. This is an actual customer review. Pamela would hide in the office bathroom every 30 minutes to dry off her armpits so no one would see the wet circles under her arms. She finally has her life back because of Sweatblock. Pamela was able to fix her problem with Sweatblock. Sweatblock gives you the confidence to wear what you want without embarrassing underarm sweat. The Sweatblock wipes were featured and tested on the Rachel Ray Show by firefighters. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock. Save 20% with promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com, also available on Amazon. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. I am your host, Zach Seiko. Went through the offense, the defense, the special teams, and even the coaching this time. It is a full review of the team. James Franklin addressed the media yesterday uh, in his press conference, talked about Ohio State in depth, and that's pretty typical. His opening statement will comment about the last game and the upcoming game. Building on momentum from Saturday, uh, affecting the opposing quarterback with the pass rush. Uh, Parker Washington said that he likes when the offense goes up tempo, so James Franklin was asked about that and said that the offense, when it gets into a rhythm, that uh, up-tempo or any sort of tempo really doesn't matter as long as the offense is in sync. The value of turnovers versus the Buckeyes, what Manny Diaz brings to the game plan, just to name a few of the subjects. But this is the quote that James Franklin gave, which is going to stand out because in 2018, he made the comment that we are not an elite program. Ohio State is an elite program, and we need to get to that status not direct, and this is a loose translation of it, but the question goes in 2018, and he's been asked this every single year since 2018. After the Ohio State game, you outlined the steps that Penn State had to take to become elite. Where are you on that timeline right now? And James Franklin said, I think a lot of things have changed since then. We talked a lot this offseason about new president and Dr. Neely Bendapudi and new athletic director, Dr. Pat Kraft. That factors into all of this, there's no doubt about it. I think there's things within our program that you look at, whether it's from a development standpoint, whether it's a facility standpoint, whether it's a nutrition standpoint, whether it's recruiting, all the things that you talk about in terms of building a program. I think some areas we have made significant progress in and others we still have work to do. I think in a lot of ways we've taken some steps in the right direction, but there's some areas that we need to get resolved, you know. That's why I think I voice this over and over again, the excitement I have for the leadership that we have in those two positions, and that's with total respect and appreciation for the past as well. So what James Franklin is saying is that Pat Kraft, President Ben DePuty are all on the same page and that James Franklin doesn't have to go. And it's not to say that he was butting heads with Sandy Barber uh, in the past, 
But he's also admitting that these two individuals are going to be great assets for the football program because James Franklin does have a vision. And while he's gotten a lot of pushback probably over the years for certain things, I think that he's going to be able to work with them as opposed to just coming to minor agreements and not being on the same page and understanding the same blueprint that everybody wants because I Pat Kraft is very gung-ho about NIL, the new way of sports. Like I personally love the hire and he's going to make all 31 Penn State sports better, not just football. So James Franklin was looking at the big picture because when it comes to being elite, yeah, you need to win football games, but you also need to have a sustainable program. The, the facilities, the housing, the food, the networking, and everything. And from what I hear from other people, Steve Jones in particular, he's the radio play-by-play voice of Penn State football and men's basketball, and he tells me about just all the amenities that the football players have that, that help them with academics, that help them with mental health, that help them with nutrition. And those things are so important because... If you are deficient in any of those categories outside of football that make the football player, like think about it. Aren't you going to want to go somewhere else? So Penn State with James Franklin, President Ben DePuty, and Dr. Pat Kraft, they all have this vision together that says, okay, football is a complex and sports in general are complex. And that's those, those amenities aren't just specific to football. I know there's a lot of money invested in football, but that's because it, well, makes a lot of money. Look at the new Big Ten TV deal and $7 billion. Besides the professional sports, what other sports are bringing that kind of money in when you think about it? Nevertheless, that's that's a completely different tangent, and I'm sure that I will have something about it, a segment at some point uh, when it all comes down to it. But James Franklin, without admitting that they're not there, is saying that the program is in a much better position than it was in 2018. And I guess that's the right thing. Uh, 2019 was a solid season, saw the Cotton Bowl win. Forget 2020. I don't need to comment on that. That was a lost season for just about almost every college program and the things that everybody had to go through uh, just in society as a whole. And then you had 2021, which is... Somewhat of a rebuilding year. And Ohio State doesn't go through a rebuilding year. We get that. But that's why they're the bar. And that's why they're considered elite. And if James Franklin can somehow beat the Buckeyes on Saturday and push for the Big Ten title game despite the loss to Michigan, look, in 2016, they were able to do it. They went 10-2 and and lost to Michigan big time. Well, here we are again in 2022. They're 6-1. And they lost to Michigan big time, and they have Ohio State at home. So will this work out in the Nittany Lions' favor? Time will tell. Uh, There is a lot riding on this game for James Franklin because he's only beaten Ohio State once since he's been here. He is 1-7. You definitely want to be 2-7 and and not 1-8 in nine years. Crossover episode tomorrow with Locked on Buckeyes. I am very excited and eager to go behind enemy lines and get to know more about the team and have a discussion about how the Nittany Lions and the Buckeyes match up. Again, my name is Zach Seiko. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach underscore Seiko. That is Z-A-C-H underscore S-E-Y-K-O. And review the podcast if you can. Thanks so much for listening. 
Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen today. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.